As he, Jesus, was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews, that is the Judeans who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we heard already, this is Palm Sunday, beginning of Holy Week, which we observe the, the passion, the sufferings of our Lord, through which we have obtained salvation. And that is, as we heard already, freedom for our souls, our bodies, freedom for our humanity. And on this day, we think about Palm Sunday. We remember that Jesus came into Jerusalem, into God's holy city, not on a white horse in triumph, but in humility, on a donkey, children laying down branches, celebrating him. And speaking of humility... This is uh, March Madness, right? Um, many of our brackets have been destroyed, uh, right? Uh, we've been humbled by the little guy who's been go, uh, making it to the top, but that's what makes March Madness so exciting, right? Uh, when we see that happening, um, it's what makes college basketball, I think, in some ways, so much better than the pros. But um, I have a little basketball story of my own uh, about his, regarding humility. When I was in high school, sorry, not high school, in college, I decided that I was going to try to get on the, the, ju the junior varsity team for my school. Yeah, and this was, you know, this is NYU, New York University, and there, mind you, the name of the team is the Violets, right? Um, you know, no judgment, but <laughs> anyway, try out, right? It's college basketball. Do it. Just get in there, right? So I decided, okay, I'm going to try out for this. You know, tall guy, black from the Bronx. You know, should be a piece of cake, right? Uh, you kind of know where the story is going. So anyway, so I, so I got, you know, so I tried out for it, did all the, ran with the seniors, ran with the, the varsity team, got to work out with them in the gym, running with them on track and stuff like that. I felt a lot of encouragement from these guys and went through it. And the whole time I'm thinking, yeah, I can do it, right? Because, you know, my whole Pretty much my whole childhood, I've always admired athletes. And those of you in here who are athletes, like true athletes, man, I admire that, you know, because they're like in great shape. And, you know, when you're a kid, too, it's like the guys like you, the girls like you, you're the athlete and everything. You want to be down, right? So I'm thinking, okay, this is my chance. I could probably do this. I'm in college now. Let me try out. So I went through all the exercises and the training and all that good stuff. And then tryouts come. On the day of tryouts, there I am on the court. And they're like, okay, run the play. So I got to take the ball, get it down to the hoop, and all it took was just a little bit of defense. I mean, I'm trying crossovers, all that kind of stuff, and it just constantly, bam, bam, smacking the ball out. Every time I'm dribbling, bam, smacking that ball out of the court. I'm like, this is so embarrassing. 
I walked off the court in the middle of tryouts because I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> this, is, this is not for me. And, and, and we're just like, when I look back on it in that embarrassing moment after trying out for this, J, this junior varsity team, I'm like, what happened? What happened? Now, in my head, I try to reason. I try to say, well, you know, I'm in college, and, you know, if I really made the team, I would have had to divide time between the team and my studies, you know? And, you know, and so I, I need to dedicate myself to my studies, right? You know, you try to, and like, no, no, nice try. Uh, plenty of people do athletics programs, and they do well in their studies, right? So, <laughs> so, I looked, so then I was like, you know what? Maybe Gatorade asked the right question. Is it in you? Right? Is it in you? And, and, my, and my question, and my answer to that question was no, it's not. Right? Um, it just, it wasn't in me to be a part of, to be a, a college athlete, to be a part of that team. And I was not able to play freely as a result of that. I was playing falsely, and it showed itself. And in this story that we just heard, from the Gospel of John, there are these people, the, the sons of Abraham, descendants of the one to whom God revealed himself and his promises. Right? And, it, and they're, they're caught in this moment, God himself presents himself to them through his son, Jesus Christ. And how do they respond? Right? They reject him. Something in them is not right. Even though they are sons of Abraham, they are living falsely, not freely. You would think that the ones who are the descendants of the, of the one to whom God promised everything would be the first people to receive God, to receive his son in a moment of choice. But when it came down to it, they rejected him. Something was wrong. They were living falsely. Of course, the question is, what about you and I? In our times of choice, in times of adversity, do we live freely or do we live falsely? Do we live truly in the, in the way that God has created us to live as human beings during those times? The good news is Christ has come to set us free. And that's what I've come to proclaim to you this morning, that there is freedom to be human in Jesus Christ, freedom to live freely, to be free indeed. In order for us to know that freedom, we need to be able to sustain, I think, I want to submit to you uh, some practices, right? Yes, Alan Iverson, I'm talking about practice. We, 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 we need to sustain ourselves through some practices. One is acknowledging, another one is dwelling, and the third is keeping. The practices of acknowledging, dwelling, and keeping. We need to be able to acknowledge our need for the Son of God, right? Why, why do we need the freedom of Jesus? Why do we even need it to begin with? I mean, we're celebrating it this week, and Easter's coming up. We're going to celebrate it. Why do we even need the freedom of Jesus? Right? Now, this group that we've read already was, you know, we see that they began, they began to believe to a certain level, and, and they were following Jesus. So there were a group of people who were willing uh, to, to, to follow Christ, right, while he was around and healing people and giving out things and all kinds of good stuff, right? But then the, 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 the offer of freedom that he made to them felt like a little too much. Verse 33 says this. 
They answered him, we are offspring of, of Abraham. They've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? They, 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 couldn't, they couldn't take it. Now they're saying, you know, how, how, how is it that you could say that we need to become free? Well, how could you even ask that question? Because remember, these are people who are under Roman occupation. You're not free, <laughs> right? So you, you would think, what, what are they talking about here? And so they know this. They know that they're under oppression. But they're asking this question because they're, they're, they're thinking, wait a minute, we already know the truth. We worship the true God. We don't need to be set free, right? So we're, we're, our, our religion is tight. What we worship is all together. You know, where we go on Sunday morning, like, I know where I'm going. You know, you, you guys, you might be going over there, but I know what I'm doing. My religion is good. I know the true God. We already know truth. The offspring of Abraham, they belong to the true and the living God. It's part of our identity. So what do you mean that we will become free? We don't have idols. We only serve one master. And we know that this master will bless us. When the world first became broken, remember, God made a promise. He made a promise to Adam and Eve which was later on revealed, unfolded even more when he appeared to Abraham. And he said that through Abraham's descendants, through his offspring, he would bless the entire world. Not just one nation, but all peoples. And so then here it is, these, these children of Abraham, descendants of Abraham, they're, they're being challenged as they're, as they're hearing Jesus, because Jesus is talking to them. And, and, and they're like, wait a minute, they, they, have their, um, they have their cultural card, if you will. Right, their tribal card. They pull out the back pocket and like, wait, you know, I know who I am. I know who I belong to. All I have to do is just show my ID and I can get in into what God has in store. I can get into God's blessings, right? Isn't that what it's all about? But Jesus is challenging them because he says that establishing your identity is not enough to gain the promises of God. Establishing one's cultural identity is not enough to gain the promises of God. Because then he says that sinful practices, the things that we practice that are not in line with God's will for our flourishing, show that you actually have another master. See, oh, oh we, we belong to God. No, you don't. No, you don't. But, but, but we don't need this environment of groupthink, a cultural identity, a group identity, in order to consider this, this, this whole idea about being free, do we? Because in our day and in our country, we talk about what it means to be authentic. We talk about staying true to oneself in order to be free as individuals. And so we're to be self-determined, to determine who we're going to be and, and, and determine how our lives will turn out and how uh, and, and what people will say about us. But self-determination, even under what Jesus is saying here, is not enough to gain the fullness of life. But modern thought will, will, tends to tell us that we, we have the freedom to determine ourselves. But, but can we? Can we really determine ourselves? So some of us lack privilege. right? And, and some of us have surrendered parts of ourselves in order to gain privilege. We've given over our bodies for companionship. Or we've, we've surrendered our friendships for economic security. 
be in some ways have become enslaved to achievement and sex and beauty and food and our employer and social media in the effort to determine ourselves. In this search, this deep desire and a search for authenticity and freedom, we have also enslaved ourselves. You're not free, but sin has us. Let me give you an example just to kind of unfold this just a little bit more. Let's think about something pretty benign, like food. Food is a good thing, not a bad thing. We need it to live. Just last night, I was at Texas Roadhouse. I know some of you vegans in the house, you're like, oh, no. But I mean, you know, I was at Texas Roadhouse. has like, a, you know, sirloin, ribs. It was my first time there. There's peanuts over the floor and stuff like that. And it was just, it was just fun. It was a lot of good times. You know, so much excitement in there. Um, people were eating. I mean, there was a lot of eating going on in that place. But, um, but you know, but it, but it was great. You know, as you eat it, you're, you're enjoying it. And you want to give thanks. Right? And, we, and we need food in order to live. And it adds variety to our human experience, right? When some of you who are foodies, you like to go to different restaurants and try our different things, like you, you feel more alive. You feel grateful to be a human being because of, because of food. And our world is a tasty place. So if you're into the whole farm-to-table movement, right, and you just want to keep it, you know, you don't want to, I'm not even talking about processed stuff, all that sort of deal. You know, there's, just, there's so much out there. Just in North Carolina alone, there's a lot to grab from the ground and to raise up and then be able to, you know, and kill it and cook it. And, um, and you know, if somebody hooks that thing up, hey, man, you feel good. <laughs> you feel fantastic. Just our earth is a, is, is a tasty place. Um, but isn't there such thing as overeating? Right? We struggle with obesity. And with obesity comes rising health care costs. That if we are the ones who struggle with it, we're not the only ones who have to deal with those costs, but our neighbors do too. Insurance goes up, doctor's office. There's an early death that comes from overeating. Family members suffer. Friends suffer. There's an inequity of distribution, right? Just some could say that America is, is, is an obese country, right? Because you think of like how other people are eating around the world and how we eat, we're eating way too much. Overeating is a problem. And then there's undereating, eating disorders. You know how this goes. And the secrets that, that are kept and the, the shame that comes with it, you know, and those, and those secrets hurt because you can't, people can't get close to you. And you're hiding and not able to develop relationships. Not See, you're not living free. And, in this, and, 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 when, and when people keep up that distortion, like, oh, you have to have the perfect body, and you, you, you can't eat too much and all that kind of stuff, then we create this culture that has of, of body worship that ends up killing people. It's not just about food. It's about what's within us and what we do with it and how it hurts ourselves and how it hurts other people, sin has us. Are we free? And then we might say to ourselves, hey, look, I'm, I'm just being me. You know, like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not hurting anybody else. It's just, what, what, what's on my plate doesn't matter. What happens in my bedroom doesn't matter. What happens in the boardroom doesn't matter. What happens, you know, in, on my computer doesn't matter. It's, it, it's, just, it's just for me. I'm not hurting other people. But can, can I just simply determine 
who I am and declare my own freedom. Jesus looks us in the face and he says, no. No, you can't. You still want to follow him? This is the challenge that those who are following him were facing. And it's a challenge for us. And this is offensive because if we think there's, there's no problem with our spirit or with our I, identity, then uh, who, how can somebody like, like Christ or people who represent Christ come to us and have the audacity to tell us that there's something that has to be solved? My identity needs to change. So we're okay with the King Jesus who, who evens the playing field for, for good, hardworking Americans. We're even okay with the prophetic king who speaks truth to power, whether it's to the United Nations or to our, our dining room table. But we're perplexed with this priestly king, this King Jesus who diagnoses our identities as unhealthy and in need of healing. And something is at work in us, seeking to exploit our need for dignity. Something evil is at work. We need to be delivered. So these Judeans, the Jews, and their ancestors had, in fact, been enslaved. I mean, unless we could go down the list. There was Egypt. There were the Philistines. There was Assyria. There was Babylon. There's Persia. There's Greeks. And now there's Rome. So what do you mean? We, 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 you know, Jesus, what do you mean you will become free? You've been enslaved for generations. When someone has determined the physical circumstances of your life, you also feel enslaved. When someone else has dictated the boundaries of your forefathers and their children, generation after generation, you feel enslaved. When someone else has determined where you can live, when you will die, your access to healthy food and how your children will play and learn in their own neighborhoods, you feel enslaved. When someone has so much control over your body, you feel enslaved. And one of the last things that you want to hear, coming from Jesus' mouth or anybody else's mouth, is change who you are. Now how can you blame them? How can you blame these people as they hear Jesus, right? When your body is not free, your spirit becomes the final frontier. And when you've gone through more than you can bear, you seek to liberate your spirit. And you dash to claim it, to claim your soul for yourself and determine yourself by yourself, only to find that sin has already beat you to the punch. It has claimed you. You are not free. That insidious passion that, that, that puts anything or anyone else other than God on the throne of your life is there. And here's the tragedy that's playing out before us in this story and in our own. is that these, these Judeans, the Jews, had, had become comfortable with that. They'd become comfortable with it. And, and, and guess what? So have we. We become complacent. Right? As, as long as I can express myself through clothing and, and social media and music or my rage, then I'm fine. But you're not if sin is still your master. 
Sin is brutal, and it is deceptive. Here's the way to dignity, it says, while it seeks to kill you and corrupt everything that is in you and around you. The scriptures make it plain. It tells us that the wages of sin is death. And this is the truth. And Jesus knows the truth. And so we, and, and we think that, that God is okay as long as we associate with what is morally right or we make a God who, who is uh, okay with all that stuff. But, but Jesus loves you and he loves this world. So he speaks the truth to us. And when he entered, uh, when, when, when corruption entered into our world and into our hearts and our lives through sin, Jesus meant to deliver us through Abraham and not settle for the status quo. And so he says this thing, which is offensive, to get at us that we might be set free. He wants you to be truly liberated in your body and in your spirit, regardless of your ethnicity, your social status, your social privilege, or your sins. Right, so that, this is sort of the, the first practice, is acknowledging our need for the Son. We need to be set free from the curse and the presence of sin. But we also need to dwell. We need to dwell in the word of the Son. So that, that is, how, how do we receive the freedom of Jesus? How do we get into it? How does it become something that... Uh, is, is in us and begins to transform us from the inside out. We need to dwell in the word of the Son to embrace its nature. And as the nature of God's word, the nature of the gospel, the nature of the, the gifts of the Son are personal and they're progressive. They're, they're, they're personal. It has, it has, it has to deal with, with each of us and it has to deal with our humanity, body, and soul, not just the spirit, but our whole personhood. And it's progressive. It's not like, just like that, completely free. That's it. Freedom is something we grow into. I'll explain that here. Verse 31 says to us, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, he said, if you abide in my word, another word for abide is dwell. If you dwell in my word, you are truly my disciples. And that word dwell is, is good. There's even a magazine called Dwell, right, for like architects and home design, that sort of deal. It has to deal with the home. That word dwell means it, God wants to come and make his home with us to redesign us from the inside out. Right? How do we dwell with the Lord? Well, it takes getting around his word at sort of like the proverbial campfire, if you will. Because if, if, if you read a little bit earlier in, in chapter 7 of John's gospel, what you would have seen, or what you would see if you go home and take a look at it, is that, the, you know, Jesus is talking to these folks as they are in God's temple. They're in the treasury area, and, he's, and, he's, and, God, and Jesus is, is talking to them in the place where people would normally gather together with others to worship God and to offer their sacrifices. What's that scene? It's God in his house teaching his people 
That's a beautiful scene of a, of a home. God is making himself at home with his people. Jesus, God himself in the flesh, in his temple, teaching those who would come, teaching those who would hear. And, and the way that we experience that, of course, is, is pretty normal. Right? It, it, it's not you know, something extraordinary where we have to go and climb up a mountain and all that sort of deal or do some adventure in the sea or whatever. But you know, it's, it's Bible study right? together, also privately, going into the scriptures. It's what we're doing now as we gather together and worship. It's partaking on the sacraments, as we'll do in, in, in just a little bit. It's, it's prayer. Right? When you pray with others, and then Jesus promises that when two or three are gathered together, right, they are, will be in their midst. When you get together with others and pray, and even when you pray alone, Christ comes. And you're able to listen, to hear from the Son of God by his Spirit as he teaches you. He makes your home, his home with you. But we have to make our home with him based on his terms. You know what? There's, um, see, what I'm talking about now is a practice that gets us to a place where we're learning how to live freely. Too often when we've heard people uh, describe the gospel and they say, come to Christ, they describe it as more like a fire insurance plan. You know, just, just come to Jesus and know that, you're, that you, you're going to heaven and that's it. And they just write, but what about the rest of life, Right. I mean, you know, if you're like me and you became a Christian when you were in middle school or even younger, you don't even know a day when you didn't call on Jesus as Lord and Savior and you're walking on this earth for 30, 40, 50 years. You're like, what am I supposed to do with the rest of my life? Even right now, there are some of you who are, uh, uh, who are asking this question of yourselves. What do I do with my faith? How is my faith changing the way that I live? I know where I'm going when I die, but... What about my life? So we want to do and learn how to live at home with the Lord right now based on his terms and dwell with him. It's not enough just to say, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a church volunteer. You know, I show up and I do my thing, right? I mean, it's, right, because the, the danger of that is, is, a, is a stand before God and to say, well, you know, I'm part of this whole thing because I put in my hours. You know, I put in work. So, you know, that's how I'm in, right? Um, you know, and, and, but you can be a son of the church. This, pa this passage warns us that you can be a son or a daughter of the church and the word will have no place in you. It's a warning. But you can reclaim your dignity not by joining some kind of Benevolent club, which the church is not, but by letting the sun set you free, meditating on his word, acting upon his word in community with others who are calling upon Jesus, others who are learning how to obey Christ, others who are trying to, trying to figure out how to be both hearers and doers. And again, it's important here to remind you that the freedom of Jesus is not instant. In some way, yes, it is, right? When you, when you, when you, come, when you come to Christ, and this, the scriptures promise us that we, you know, that we, we can confess with our mouths that, right, that, that Jesus Christ and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, like right then and there, his righteousness becomes ours 
our sin is given to him, done. Free of that. Right? But, there, but there's more, right? Because we know, like, oh, wait a minute, what about these practices? What about dwelling? I look at my own life. I don't know if I'm doing well. I could be a lot further. I'm not as mature as I really want to be in. You know, and sometimes I'm in, in these practices of being with others and, 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 and hearing from the Lord and praying and, and loving others and that sort of deal. Sometimes I'm not. It's not instant. It's progressive. Because he said in verse 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? And, that, and that's, that's just, that's, that's not like, at one point, but it, the truth will set you free. Continue to set you free. Continue to do it. Continue to do it. It's freedom upon freedom, grace upon grace, as the scriptures tell us. If you've come to experience that freedom, then know that Jesus is committed to you as you remain in him. But verse 34 says to us, he said, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Right? What's going on with our practices? If we're to dwell with the Lord, is, is there, have, our, have, our, have, our, have certain sins become a, a practice for us? How do, we, how, do, how do we become more at home with the Lord to experience the freedom that he has for us. Well, if, if sin is a practice, is a habit, then we need to battle habits with habits, right? It's not enough just to get mere knowledge. They say, oh, I've read all the good books, and I, I've read this author, this popular evangelical leader, or this, you know, I listen to this radio show, I've got this podcast, and that sort of deal, and I'm just getting it all in here and stuffing it in the head, right? That's, that's not going to do it. That's a part of it. But you need, there's certain habits. What's going on with your body, your, your posture? What are, what are you, what are you doing with, with yourself? Where, where do your feet take you? What are your hands doing, doing? What do your eyes see, your senses? What do they take in? We need to be able to develop holy habits that we can pursue and not just affirm some creed, as important as they are. God calls us to dwell in him. Again, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, again, just acknowledging this dwelling, dwelling in the word of God, learning what it means to be at home with the Lord. Now that you got the keys to get in the house, how are you going to live in it, right? Third thing is keeping. Keeping your confidence in the sun. And this is to get at a, you know, how we secure the freedom of Jesus. How do, how do we secure it? Because it is, sometimes it feels like something that slips through our fingers, this freedom that Jesus promises to us. And the truth is, anyone who has ever tried to practice the ways of the Lord knows that they can't do it perfectly. I haven't done it perfectly. You haven't. We still practice sin. 
And in the warning for us in this is that as we see ourselves, this reality of, 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 of something within us, a battle going on, like trying to practice the ways of God, but we also see practices of sin in our lives. What can, what can happen is if we're not careful, if we're not keeping our confidence in the, in the sun, is that we may do something rash to relieve our, our pain, our fears, and our doubts about who we are and who we belong to. Right? We could enter into something. We could, we could try to drink it away, work it away. The pain that we're feeling because we, 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 we know that in some ways we're still, we still feel in, enslaved to sin. Or we try to establish some kind of moral superiority and, and stand above other people. You know, no, well, I, you know, I'm not as bad as those people over there, right? Right? I'm, not, I'm not like my, my, my cousins who, 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 who still live in the projects or in the double wide. I'm not like them. If you're a slave, it doesn't matter whether you're in the house or the field. You're still a slave. Okay? And you will not remain in the house of God forever. And you can't count on the dignity and the promises of God being yours forever with, st- with sin still being present in your life. However, what if while we still felt like slaves, we were actually sons and daughters? What if while we still struggled with greed and apathy and gluttony and gossip and forgiveness and hate, we were still God's children? What if while we still contributed to the structures of misogyny and economic indignity and racialization, we were still God's children? What if the, the, we, we still find the false things within us, while those things are still there, we are still capable of living freely? Look at God's mercy. For the Apostle Paul says, For our sake, Christ God made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The Son of God gave up his privilege to remain in the household of God and determined to be identified with sinful humanity and was cast out like a slave. He endured the wrath for our sin and for our injustice, that in him we could become sons and daughters. And moment by moment, and always, we have an eternal inheritance in the household of God, in and through his son alone, not through our performance. Yes, the, the, the son who took on a human body so that we might know freedom for our spirits and our bodies has come to set us free. And, and, and this inheritance of God's household, what, what is this? What is this household that... That, that God wants to bring us into, it is all things. It's the rivers, the streams, the mountains, the cultures that belong to all peoples, our food, our clothing, our dress, our talk, our language, our customs, all relationships that exist. God has come to set us free that we might inherit all things, his household, which has been set free from sin and death. We will inherit all all things, because through Jesus Christ, we are no longer slaves. When we let this truth begin to sink into our hearts, then we will begin to follow Jesus as free people, 
living freely in the world. Remember Zacchaeus, that chief tax collector from Jericho? And that guy was a complete jerk. Chief tax collector? Come on. You're going to make all kinds of money off of your people like that? Sell them out? Just because you're looking out for number one? I mean, in the face of Rome, Roman oppression, I mean, our people out here having it hard, and you're up here feeding your mouth and, 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 and making big, big homes and rooms and such for yourself, living lavishly at the expense of your own people. He was a self-determined man, Zacchaeus was, and, he, and you know, he earned a dignified life for himself through exploitation and through self-justification until Jesus came to his house. Right? And after making all that money for himself, Zacchaeus didn't like what he saw in the mirror. I mean, but Jesus came to abide with him, and he said, come down. I must stay with you today. And then Zacchaeus was, I mean, he was, he was way up, right? I mean, he's, the joy starts filling his heart. And he says, he says Lord, take half of what I've made, and, and if I've defrauded anyone, I'll give them fourfold. That money will not have my spirit anymore. And, and, and I, I, will, uh, I will also help the, uh, the, the physical circumstances of, of my neighbors, the people around me. I will, I will seek the liberation of those who, who reside around me in my community. I will no longer take advantage of them, and money will not be my master, but Lord, take me. Take me. Jesus said, today, salvation has come to this house. Freedom has come to this house. This traitor is now a true son of Abraham. And more than that, Zacchaeus, you are offspring of the true and the living God. See, seeking dignity and freedom through self-righteousness Self-justifying ways, sinful ways is unnecessary because what we're seeking, what we're truly seeking has been in the mirror since the day we were born. God made you and I as gifts to himself. But, but sin deceives us, and we forget that, just as Zacchaeus forgot. And when Jesus looked him in the eye, while he was sitting up there in that tree, he remembered. God came and redeemed his gift. He set him free. Are you free? Let the sun reclaim you. Because when we're liberated, when we're set free from sin through Jesus, we become liberators. We become those who march. We become those who get in the fight, who enter into the fray and work for the freedom of others, physically, culturally, spiritually, sacrificially. We do it. For God intended that all of his gifts should be shared with the world. We should give ourselves away. So friends, as we're, we're preparing ourselves for Easter, and, and, and seeking to know the, the freedom of Jesus, remember that uh, to, these, these practices, 
to acknowledge your need for the Son, to dwell in his word, and to keep your confidence in him because of the Son sets you free, you will seek the freedom of your neighbors. The Son sets you free. You remain in God's household. The Son sets you free. You'll be free indeed. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we're not free. We're not free on our own. We look at our lives and we, we, we know that there are things that tend to en enslave us. And on our honest and, and clear days, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we see those things and we, we feel shame and guilt and we are tempted to try to run away from those things by adding even more sinful practices on top. Instead of coming to you so that we can be set free. God, we thank you that you have given us a dignity that no one can take away. You have made us as gifts to yourself. Lord, claim us. Claim us in our brokenness. Claim us in our doubts. Claim us in our fears. Claim us in the habits that we just can't beat. Claim us in our struggles that you would restore us and make us into people who will work for the liberation of the world. Not through our might, not through our power, but by the power of the Spirit, by the power of your presence. Oh, Lord, as you dwell with us, we acknowledge our need for you. We come to know and remember the confidence that you give us through your Son. We pray that you would do these things for us, O oh Lord, not because we have been good, but because you are good. In Jesus' name, amen.